0: I do have a plan, but like I always say, you need to be surrounded by the right people. If you're surrounded by 10 very negative people, you're bound to be the 11th negative person. If you're surrounded by 10 millionaires, you're bound to be the 11th millionaire. Hello everyone. Thank
1: you so much for joining me today and welcome to the next episode of Influence Me with me, Shaney Ryan. With 45% of the world's population now using social media on a daily basis, we are now more and more influenced by the people that we follow, but social media is such a tricky space to figure out what's real and what's in the highlight reel so i wanted to create this podcast to dig really deep and get to know the people we look up to and get to know the person behind the digital fame with this podcast i'm going to introduce you to some incredible people with amazing journeys and stories to share that you can either relate to or be inspired by welcome to influence me Today's guest is an influencer who built a huge following of 859,000 followers the old fashioned way with good old consistent content. She is absolute body goals, promoting health and fitness across her social media, which led for her to release her very own ebook called No Excuses, which is a beautifully presented four week workout plan that she herself has said changed her life. She was 2018's only UK influencer to be invited to appear at Beautycon New York City and boasts a whopping 132,000 subscribers on her YouTube channel, where she creates content around fitness, hair care, beauty, and lifestyle. She has lived in South Africa, LA, and now calls London home, and after a public relationship ended in a very public breakup, she has since highly valued keeping her private life exactly that, Private. All the same, she has kindly allowed me the opportunity to dive into her world today, which I feel very privileged for. Please welcome to my sofa, Nikita Johnson.
0: (laughs) That was so cute. I was grinning, I was like, stop laughing, stop smiling.
1: Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. We're
0: finally here.
1: We did it. It took a minute. (laughs) You've got a busy schedule, girl. No, but so do you. No, that's true, I'll give you that.
0: Like trying to fit in. I was
1: like, Are you bringing this day? Or are you bringing this I day? know.
0: I love how we met. Oh, we met. It was very organic.
1: I was going to say, say, very organically. Yeah. We met at Jordan Woods Eyelash Launch for yes. Ilya. You were sat at a table by yourself,
0: <laughs> by myself,
1: which you like to do.
0: I do. You're,
1: you're not, good in your own company, aren't you? I am.
0: I know a lot of influencers, like, they won't go to an event if they're, they they're not allowed a plus one, but I've gotten so used to just in and out, going Mm -hmm. by myself, showing face, snapping, um, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But I was just there to support my friend and I was not going up to the hotel. I was like, no, I'll wait here. Yeah. (laughs) And then I met you. Because you're friends with Jordan. Yes. How did you guys meet? It was so random. I was having the worst time on an influencer trip that I was booked on at the very last minute. It was meant to be just American people. I remember sitting, we had a family table, I would say. And there was only one seat across from me that wasn't taken, but every other seat was taken. And I was there with my management at the time. And she came late for some reason. And she sat in front of me, but I wasn't expecting her to be there. They didn't say who else was coming and stuff. But she already, I knew the other people that were there were her friends. When she sat down, she was like, oh my God, hi. And I was like, hello. (laughs) She's like, I know you. I was like... No, you don't. <laughs> I was very shocked because I was like, we live in two very different yeah. worlds. Yeah. And she's like, no, look. And she showed me, like, her picture was me. And she's like, I told my trainer at the time that this is my body goals. You need to get me to look like this. No I was way. Like, oh, no. And then we had, like, I'd say about four more days after that, we were literally attached to the hip. Like, I trained her while we were there. I, it was, and ever since then, we've, we've, like, when I'm in LA or she's in London, we're like connect up. Stop,
1: stop, stop. So you were literally sat by yourself, minding yeah. your own business, <laughs> nursing a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> we just got talking, didn't we? I think I said something like I loved your hair. Yes, right. I had braids. You have braids and oh, I was no, getting ready braids. to go to the Maldives oh, and I had it in my head that I wanted want to get braids time. and I was like, that's what I want. <laughs> that girl's got the hair that I want. So I literally came over to him and was like, excuse me, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> where'd uh, you, get where'd you get your hair done? Where'd you get your hair
0: done? Instagram. And if yeah. you knew this... You knew yeah, this. and then you
1: basically gave me like your whole phone book of Indeed. beauty go-to people, which I really appreciated. Yeah. And actually, I had no clue that you were an influencer because you were like, oh, I'm just here waiting for my friend. Um, and you were like, oh, yeah, she's... And I, was like, I didn't realise your friend was Jordan either. That was hilarious. And uh, we were chatting around and I was like, where's your bloody friend at? She's taking her time. Like, she's late. She's late. She'll be here soon. I was like, oh, okay, well, we can just all hang out together. Oh, we should exchange Instagrams. What's your Instagram? And I followed you. I was like whoa <laughs> you've got a lot of followers oh what, what do you do then and then at that point you were like oh yeah i'm an I'm influencer a, I'm and an stuff influencer. yeah no today's episode though really isn't really about you being an influencer okay it's about which you do beautifully <laughs> by the you. way actually with influenced me i want to get to know the person behind the profile picture yeah. and your feed is beautiful Thank it's you. so well curated and you can tell that it's professionally done and you take pride in your content and yes. like it's your job like yeah for me how people do all this color coding coordinating things i mean i think i need a lesson in that later because i genuinely no, have honestly, no clue it's not
0: hard it's i i used to look at people before and think how the hell do they do that now i'm like really so it's not rocket science honestly it just looks like effort <laughs> i'm not gonna lie it looks like effort Maybe i'll show you uh, i'll give you my tips and tricks
1: thank you it's i appreciate so that easy. so what i wanted to talk to you about today is like you, <laughs> yeah, da I want to get on track. I want to go back to the beginning.
0: Okay.
1: Um, your background. Right. You became an influencer, but where did it all begin for you? Because you very much, I think, stumbled upon.
0: I would say the it's career. Like, it's been like a blessing in that it was just like kind of placed on my lap. Yeah. In that I didn't know you could make money being an influencer instagram was very new when i started youtube and um, i made youtube because i saw a documentary by oprah um called light girls and i was like i want to say something and my mum was like go on youtube like make a video so my first ever video on youtube i made it i made a account um and i made a video and i've always had cameras um my uncles i had two uncles that um were into photography and videography, and I asked them to tell my parents what's the best camera to get. So I've always had cameras around me. So Mm. there was just I just picked up the camera, put it on my it was a shelf, and I stood in front of it for about half an hour just blabbing (laughs) about this documentary, (laughs) and I was so proud of it because I was like, oh, people are going to watch this, and they're going to like have a say about what I'm speaking about. It will make them go and watch the documentary because I was like so astounded. There's a lot of stuff in there that I agreed with, didn't agree with, but I I just wanted to speak about it. Okay. And then, but that's all YouTube was for me. Like, I was just like, oh, if I see something or I want to speak about something, that's what I'm going to do. Mm. And it was a very long time after that before I posted my second video. Um, I just happened to be talking about Like I'm such a romantic. I'm the biggest. I mean, anyone that follows you (laughs) will know. Biggest. That you
1: basically live in some sort of Disney movie.
0: Your life is a Disney film in your head. It's so no. I blame my parents. They're like the epitome of love. They've been married for I'd say 33 years now. This December. I've never seen them be nothing short of what, like, teenagers look like. They're so, like, my dad puts on my mum's socks for her. Like, every time he makes tea or coffee for her, she's like, it's the best tea I've ever tasted. Like, they're so cute. I was just having a conversation with my mum, and I was like, we were talking about love, and I was like, well, let me speak about what love is to me. And so I spoke on friendships, I spoke about relationships, and I happened to be in a relationship at that time, so I was really like... (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And then I spoke about how I feel like I learned about love in regards to like religion, um, my family, and I was really proud of that video. Mm. And but that was the first time that I'd received like any type of like a negative co- like I got one negative comment, and I was like, "Oh, but I spoke about love. Like, <laughs> how are you being negative about love?" Exactly. Um, but then after that is when it kind of kicked off. I would say in that I got into a relationship that very quickly went public. Prior to that, I was very, very private. I'd never shown my family on social media. I'd never shown where I'd lived. Little things. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like, your family's on social media. Like people were going up to my parents and on the train and stuff. And I just felt like <laughs> this is a lot to deal with because it happened very fast. Like, so
1: when you say the growth was quick, like how quick are we talking and what kind of growth are we talking? Like, you went from basically people just stumbling across your
0: first video on YouTube to... I mean, that first video got a hell of a lot of views, I would say, even in a day. What do you think was the catalyst for that? To be fair, the guy and I said that if we're only going to post if we get 500 subscribers. And we got that in a short space. Of, I'm sure it
1: was hours. So yeah. this is the person you were in a relationship with yes. said, said that. But from your first video, this,
0: the light girls. So that was on my own channel. Right, okay. Um, and that was, I'd posted those two videos about, mm, I'd say, a few months apart. So it wasn't consistent. It was just, oh, I've had this thought. Let me post it online. And it just happened to do well. Yeah.
1: And then you got into the relationship and then it was like, let's do a YouTube channel together.
0: Yes. Was that your yeah, idea? No. Okay. It wasn't my idea. It was like... Ask me to be your girlfriend. The day afterwards, we're make, you're telling me, we're making a YouTube channel. The day afterwards, a YouTube channel is made. A week later, we've got the video up, how we met. Like, it was very, like... Oh, wow. Yeah. So you didn't even have time
1: to, like, really develop. Like,
0: this is what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't, Interesting. I didn't think this would be, a, like, what it was because the growth was, like, rapid. Yeah. And I couldn't say, like, oh... Mum and Dad, like, people are going to come up to you on the train. Like, I didn't know what it was going to be. Wow. Yeah. So the
1: joint YouTube channel, did that start getting, like, m- like millions of views and stuff?
0: Not millions of views, but um, hundreds and thousands of views when it was consistent. And I think, I don't know if we were on it for a year or, or less than a year, but it, it did it did amount and is that when you decided that you were going to take it to like I'm going to be a professional influencer no i never right. i never said that um, i just i don't want to i don't want to be negative about it i didn't have a bank account at the time mm-hmm. so when we did start when we did start earning money for youtube he had to give me cash Okay. If that makes sense. And I didn't always get the cash. Right, okay. And you didn't even know if it was a career. <laughs> yeah, no, there was a lot to be learned in regards to YouTube, behind the scenes and all of that. And I knew nothing. I didn't know you could earn money being on social media. Like yeah. That.
1: yeah. So back to you and your original YouTube channel yes. and uh, Light Girls. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of comments, didn't you, from people about yes. you being light-skinned. Yes. How did that
0: kind of happen like so to be what fair, I knew that that was going to happen because the documentary itself will evoke you to speak about it because so talk to me what... about the documentary just a little bit like yeah <laughs>
1: what made you kind of want to say something and what was it
0: that your kind of stance was that uh, you know made people I was basically talking about light-skinned girls experiences the good the bad mm-hmm. um like a lot of people will say that light-skinned girls have a specific privilege over the darker skin girls, um, whereas uh, th- in the documentary there were some light skin girls that were being like, "No, like um, I've had a different experience." And right. it was it it was an eye opener because I was like, "Oh, I can relate to that." Oh no, actually, yeah. Um, what part of it do you relate to? The thing is, I'm from South Africa, so I've always felt like in South Africa it's politically correct for me to call myself coloured. I know it's not politically correct to call myself coloured here. Interesting. And, um, so I've always not had this identity crisis, but I know that the mix happened a very, very long time ago, like more than eight generations ago. Mm-hmm. So I've always felt like, well, I know that I'm coloured, but that's not actually a thing. Mm. So what, what am I? So when this documentary came out, I was like, OK, there's other people that are like me. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, years later, it led me to do to do the ancestry DNA test to yeah. to find out what I am. Where what I'm do you from. mind sharing what you are? Oh, awesome. I'm literally like everything, <laughs> a real mix. Everything. I so from, need to do that. No, it's, it was the best thing. Like I cried when I got the results back because I was really? like, I knew who I'm from. Like it was so emotional because obviously you, I know, but I know who my family is, but my. Both my parents are called coloured in South Africa, but my dad looks Indian Mm -hmm. and my mum looks like me. Mm -hmm. But in South Africa, people like my dad, they will call them cape coloured because they're darker skinned, straight hair, Mm -hmm. or have green eyes, blonde hair. Whereas my mum will have, she'll look like me, lighter skin. Um, Some of them might have coarser hair. Right. And so I've always been like, we don't all look the same way, we're called coloured. Like, what's the...
1: Even in South Africa, was that instinctively not comfortable to be called coloured?
0: No, it's normal. It's just normal? It's normal.
1: So when you came here and you used that, did other people flag
0: it to you? I was very young when ah, I came here. OK. And I remember being on the playground and someone... <laughs> it was really bad. My mum just happened to be standing near me and she's a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was obviously very protective because we're, we're these little African children <laughs> coming yeah. to England, still got these little... South African accents. So I was, like, really intrigued because I've never... The school that I went to was pretty much all white. Mm. And I said that's another thing that I'd highlight because my mum used to be like, to me, you're black. And I'd be like, no, I'm white. Look at my skin. Because I went ah. to an all-white school and I'd be like, look at my skin. And I'd be like, the maid, she's black. I'm not black. And then I came to England and because I'd never been around black people.
1: Ah, OK. Like,
0: actual black people.
1: What do you mean? <laughs> this is all so
0: fascinating. Um, so like my gardener will be black or the people that or the lady like my maid that would help me get ready for school, she'll be black. But in terms of actual black kids, there might be like one or two in your school. And I went to the area that we lived in before apartheid used to be an only white area. So we were the only coloured, coloured people. family yeah. in that area. So <clears throat> in the school, like I know I had one coloured teacher and then it was my brother and I that were the only coloured kids. Um, obviously, it's different now because lots of people are, like, this is many years ago. Yeah. And we come to England and then I'm in, like, a mixed school and I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, there's black people. Really? Like, like, there's Indian people. Like, I've never... Mixed was, with like, so many yeah, people. Like this, it was daunting. So, obviously, my mum was, like, hovering over us. And I was, I was obviously drawn to another coloured girl. That was in my class, and she's like she's like, I want you to meet my mom. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so I walk over, and my mom was like close behind me, and I was like, oh, is this your maid? Because her mom was black, <gasps> and her mom was like, and my mom said no, no, no. And she apologized. She said, I'm so sorry. Took me to the side, and she's like, that's her mom. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, she's coloured. And my mom was like, no. In England, there's this thing called mixed race, where she wow. said your mix happened a very long time ago, like many generations ago. Past granny, past granny's granny was probably an Indian person and a white person, or a black person and a white person that came together and loved each other, and they made their baby. And then their babies got together with another coloured person. <laughs> and then, she had to break it down yeah, to you like and that. And she was like, but she's like a first generation coloured child, but in. England it's political because she's trying to tell me like politically correct term because I'm like what do you mean so she pointed out she's like that's her mum you can't just assume that when you see a coloured child that their mum's going to be coloured and their dad's going to be coloured so I was like and then she had to explain to me we can't use the word coloured right and I was like what but that's what we are (laughs) (laughs) I was like I was like what do I say? And she's like, You're black. And I was like, but I'm not, black. I'm, not, I'm not
1: black. I love the fact your accent comes out when you're referring back to this story.
0: I love you'll it. Hear it. I'm not. I was like, I'm not, I'm not. That's not what I am. But obviously over time I've come to learn that now that is
1: that is what I am. So that is just absolutely fascinating yeah. as a story. I'm gonna to relate to you a tiny bit, but not at all on this level. Okay. So, I grew up in Crawley in West Sussex, okay. and everyone that I went to school with was white. Right. And then there was one Indian boy and me. And we both used to be called the Paki kids.
0: No. I swear
1: to God. And I used to get bullied by this little shit called Joe, <laughs> who I still remember <laughs> he to this day, who used to call us both Pakis. And I just oh remember my being like, gosh. that same thing, like, I'm not, like, yeah. I'm mixed race, or like, I use, my mum, my mom, this is, you know, going back, yeah. when I was a child, it was half-caste. Okay. So I used to be like, I'm not, I'm half-caste, which now is also politically correct. Yeah, Have you I heard can't... that before here? I've
0: never half-caste. heard half-caste. So half-caste heard... is the
1: equivalent of coloured, Oh. Um, so, so you can't... can't say that anymore, okay. it's not correct. So it used to be that you would be coloured or you would be half-caste, but I think kind of around my generation it was half-caste to oh, the yeah. point where, like, the older members of my family, my aunt my aunt will still say, oh, yeah, my, my, my niece is half-caste. And I'm like, you can't say <laughs> you know, that anymore. I'm mixed race. Like, you know, I remember the first time she said it in front of um, my partner, Tony. I was <laughs> like, don't worry about her, she's been saying it a year. And not only that, she sometimes says, oh, yeah, you just want a coffee to a cream, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. But to me, it's, like, completely innocent and unoffensive. Like, she absolutely adores me. She also calls me her princess alongside that. But, um... Yeah, just that thing of growing up being the only kid that looked like me. Because even like me and the Indian boy, we didn't look anything like each other. Uh So it was like no one to relate to. And that whole thing of growing up without that identity. Now, I was raised by my white family entirely until I was 10 years old. So I grew up not having any experience of really the music outside of Bob Marley. But um, yeah, that whole thing of just being really confused, even silly things like the food yeah that my mum's cooking sorry mum I know you're going to listen to this and cuss me out in the car right now but even the food like my mum's food was bland like <laughs> oh it was God. like her idea of seasoning even today is like salt and, salt and pepper she goes to Nando's and thinks it's like raging hot at lemon mm, and herb like she she's doesn't. yeah she does honestly bless her I love oh. her to bits but <laughs> flavour is not her strong point point. and then when I went and, and spent the first kind of time with my uh, the black side of my family You know, I was sitting there, same as my mum, mouth on fire. It's taken me years to get used to the food, to familiarise myself with the music. Like, I remember even not so long ago, somebody talking about a really well-known Jamaican artist called, I think it's Budgie Budgie Banter. (laughs) Is that right? And I was like, who? And he was like, no way, you do not know what I'm talking about. It's just not what I was raised on. I was raised on the Carpenters, my friend. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, like... (laughs) You know, and Diana Ross was like the black side that my mum used to pull out you know it's like got to educate you, my mixed race child let's play the Supremes so it's <laughs> I'm sure many people are laughing at what I'm saying right now but also people will relate to it but of course it's just crazy like you're raised looking one way but having lived a different experience yeah. and then culturally that changes and then I remember getting slightly older and being like okay I'm going to move to Tottenham because I feel like that's like a black area oh and get down with my black gosh. race Obviously, absolutely shit myself like I was not built for Tottenham sorry anyone from Tottenham but far too much for flower especially then it's a lot nicer now
0: yeah but
1: especially then it was like a lot so I completely relate but your story is just absolutely fascinating so you've grown up in South Africa yes with one identity yeah you've moved to the UK yeah completely new everything
0: was everything was new. my family sold everything to come here but
1: can you explain that Um, Because I don't really know anything about South African history,
0: culture. At the time, they were advertising for teachers, social workers and lawyers from South Africa. It was like on the news, not the news, but like an advert will come up. It was in the newspaper. Like, I don't know why, but when I got here, I almost felt like I was at home because a lot of my teachers were South African. Right. Because it's so different, like so different culturally, everything, weather. A lot of them left within two years. They all regret it now because they, when we speak to a lot of South Africans that we knew that were here at the same time as us, they're like, it's so hard to come back once right. you've left. And I kid you not, I hated England for the first four years. It yeah. was so different. I hated it. Every year I would say to my mum, please take us back. Like, I hate it here. Mm. And I think the only thing that kind of like steered us to stay was like exactly a year later, my mum was like, if you hate it, we'll go back they lied obviously, yeah. they were telling um, you what you needed to hear in that moment. <laughs> we went back, and my cousins were like, Wow, you live in London! Like, I was like, Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cool. <laughs> and what we came back, and like, I found that I was crying, like, balling tears every time I came back to England. I was like, Why are we here? Like, I, the people are miserable like, in South Africa. You just about step outside your doorstep. Every neighbour is saying, morning, hello, morning. Like, it's so friendly, so laid back. Your beach is on your doorstep. Like, it's so... There's no reason not to be happy. Mm. Come here, everybody's miserable. The weather makes you miserable. Everyone's moody. Mm. It took a lot to get used to. Yeah. And then, obviously, school's different. I felt like I... My brother was an A-star student, and he was put in year nine. So we all got... I got put up a year. So I was in grade five in South Africa. I got put into year six. My little brother jumped two years. So he was in grade one, went to year three. My older brother went from grade eight into year nine. So we were all like, oh, this is going to be so hard. And I felt like when we got here, I was like, they're really dumb. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I felt like I knew stuff that they didn't know. And I was like, I'm going to become dumb. Like, it was so, I hated everything about school Living and you have to remember, I come from South Africa, so we had everything. We had loads of cars. We had help. Someone's basically putting on my knickers for me, doing my hair every day, really? cooking for me when I get home from and school. And that's just
1: normal life out there. Everybody like to have has stuff.
0: that, yeah. And then you've got a, you're living in this luxury home that's got loads of stairs. Everybody's got their own bedroom. And then we moved to England, and I'm sharing a bedroom in a two bedroom flat with my brothers. I hated it. Why did your parents do that? They thought. To be fair, my one auntie came, and it was either Australia or England. And she'd been to both. And she was like, England is the best bet. She was still single, so she could do whatever she wanted to Yeah. Do. But for my parents, it was a bigger deal because, I mean, you're moving a whole family. Mm. And my mum looked at houses. She came first, so she spent three months away from us. And she looked at houses... And all the houses that they were showing her, there was either like rats' feces and stuff, oh, like God. As, as you walk into the house. And she was like, no, she wouldn't even go inside, because she was like, we need like a three-bedroom house at the least. And every house that she saw was disgusting. And then they showed her this like new build flat, and she's like, I'll take it, like, because it was clean, it was mm. new. Um, but when we came, I'm expecting to see this nice big house, like everything's going to be the same. But I didn't realize that they literally sacrificed. Everything they sold all our cars, sold all, sold our house. Is this because of what was going on back home? No, they just thought it's gonna be better, better opportunities for my brothers and I. Wow. Yeah. Like South Africa, I would say, I'm not, I'm not. I don't want to like make a stigma, but I mean, a lot of South Africans they're almost like close-minded in that they, you go to school, you go to college, you go to university, and then you get married, you have your career, that's it. Some don't even travel out of South Africa.
1: Right. So it
0: was a massive deal for my parents to say, we're moving to England and we're never coming back. Wow. Um, And I don't think, if I was in South Africa, I don't think I would be a YouTuber. Yeah. I don't think I would have travelled to the places that I've travelled to. In South Africa, I lived a very isolated life in that. Sounds um, quite sheltered as well, Yeah. Right? Like, girls are very, I mean, you're taught to be a lady like you need to be modestly dressed you need to if someone comes into your household you need to like cater to them like they want girls to be these really like good girls yeah (laughs) Um, not so much the boys but I mean uh, girls are very much sheltered and I guess someone painted a picture to my parents that England is, like, paved with gold. <laughs> like, the streets are paved with gold and that you can sleep with your door unlocked.
1: It's nothing wow. like
0: South Africa. Right. That was a shock in that, no, it's not like that. Because mm. they were a bit more lenient in letting me walk to school by myself. In Which South you would Africa. never do. Yeah, they picked me up and dropped me back home to my doorstep. Everything was totally different. So it did take me at least, I would say, four years to adapt. But that's not the only place that you've adapted
1: to, because you also went out to America as well, right? I did. I did. I find I... it so fascinating that you've <laughs> lived all these lives around the world. So talk to me about America.
0: Okay, so the first time that I I would say lived there, I was around 22. I had management at the time. It was by chance that I met them. They were, I won't say who he is, but a comedian's um, production team. Okay. It's a really big comedian, and okay. but keyword is production team. They've never managed someone before, okay. And they sold me a dream. They what told it? me we're gonna change your life, you're right? Gonna be this big movie superstar, and you're gonna meet all these people. And they flew me to America. But to be fair, everything was above board before I even got to America. They had everything in writing for my parents because my parents were like, Hello, this is our little girl, yeah. You're taking her across the ocean. She's never been away from home. Is never this lived to New York home. or L.A.? This was to L.A. Yeah. initially. And and so that time I lived in L.A., I lived in Miami. I briefly lived in Dallas. And then I spent a short period, I'd say a month, in New York. It was a massive deal for my family because I'd never been away from home. And then, But why they were so trusting was everything was in writing. They mm-hmm. were like, you can call her at any time. These are the contact details for who you can get hold of if you can't get hold of her. Like it was very. Yeah, it sounded like they one. were taking it very seriously. Yeah, everything um. was above board in that I didn't have to do anything derogatory. Okay. I didn't have to sleep with anybody to I don't have know, this opportunity. Be in a yeah. yeah. I remember calling like one of my friends and she was like, You need to basically man up because any girl that's in your position would die to be there. And. When I think about it now, I feel like that was really insensitive because if a young girl had to say to me, I don't, I I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong, but I didn't feel like that was me, if that makes sense. So yes, they might have known everybody, all the right people and stuff, but I was still having to be like the 5,000th girl. In the queue going to an audition it didn't get me anywhere right they were sending me on press dates so like this was the worst part for me but it's weird because I've got I'm still a friend with one of the guys okay (laughs) um so basically if someone was signed to like the NBA or the NFL and they were like he's gonna be really known someday we need to send him on a press date so like just say he was like a first draft NFL player, which right. means everyone's got their eye on him. They want to know who he's dating. He might not have a girlfriend, cute Nikita. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. And the, the weird thing is, because they don't know who I was, and I they obviously social media technically didn't exist, it yeah. just like comes out of a restaurant with a mystery woman. And it was the weirdest thing to me, because I was like, they will be sat across from me and they'd be like, you're so beautiful, blah, blah. I'm like, this is a set-up date. Like, I don't even know how you're Trying to talk to me, right? It It was just weird to me. So this basically Um, is for you both to get a little bit of publicity or... To be packed together. Yeah. But, I mean, it didn't do anything for me. And I'm so glad pictures (laughs) don't exist. They're telling me, you're going on a press date. You have to remember, I'm... Away from home. Away from home. They've got a chef for me, so I'm being catered to. I'm living in these luxury hotels or, like, a villa by myself. So I feel like I can't complain yeah, you can't be like, actually, this is really weird. I don't like- want to go on a press date. Like, I feel like, to me, I was like, am I being ungrateful? They're doing all of this other stuff for me. And so I was like, okay, I'm going on a press date. Mm. And then it was like every other night I'm having to go on a press date. And I'm like, what if they keep seeing the same girl in the newspaper? Like, it makes no sense. You're sending me on all these press dates. Yeah. They're all really, like, bland people. Like, yeah. Like, they're... I, it was it was the weirdest experience for me but I ended up becoming friends with one of them um because we were both like this is weird like we agreed you agreed it's, it was yeah, odd it was it's both, uncomfortable. both uncomfortable let's just be friends exactly <laughs> but you're still friends today we're still friends today that's and, good very, I'll get him a girlfriend one day He's <laughs> very much a gentleman oh and another thing they were making me train every single day five days a week six hours a day what, exercise? Exercise. So two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, two hours in the evening. In between that, I have to eat three meals. In between that, I'm having to go to an audition or go on a press date or make an appearance in a club. Where are you sleeping? I was running on two hours sleep. Dinner. I wish people
1: could see my face right now. <laughs> I
0: look absolutely like mind-boggled, don't I? I'm like... About a month into me being there, they are... Like, you could see I'm running on zero sleep. Not even a month, I would say three weeks. I'm running on zero sleep, but obviously they're telling me all this exciting stuff is about to happen. So I was like, "Oh, great. But I'm tired. You're making me train six out there. Like, if you want to get this role, you have to look this good. So I was like, okay, cool, whatever. But I'm exhausted. Like, I'm falling asleep on these press dates. I'm falling asleep in the queue to audition. And then they sat me down while I was at dinner and they put these pills in front of me. And no they're like, everybody way. takes these to stay, to stay awake, basically, during the day. And I was like, well, is it legal? And they're like, it's over the counter. Everybody takes them, every celebrity takes them. You'll be fine. And then I was running on these tablets. It was literally, like, liposide times a hundred. What were they? Oh, I can't remember the name of them, but they basically keep you awake. And That's it's, shocking. It's over the counter. So I thought, okay, well it's fine. But just think- shows
1: like how vulnerable young women are, yeah. especially in an industry where you know you actually rely on other people introducing you to the things exactly. or an agent or a manager looking after you.
0: And because they're so like my parents knew everything. As long as I felt safe. So to me, having my own place or having my own hotel room like no one's touching me, basically. They yeah. taught me etiquette lessons. Like, they taught me how to sit like a lady, how to get in and out of a car so that my knickers don't show. They taught me how to eat with the many knives and forks. Because they were teaching me all of that, I felt like... It's I like a pretty woman. Like, <laughs> I <laughs> owe them, basically. Yeah. So when it came to stuff... It's like, like a the, power dynamic, isn't pills, it? The pills, yeah. I was just like, OK, well, if you think it's best for me. Because I felt like they're doing stuff to help me. Mm. Hey guys
1: just a quick break to tell you about our sponsors his and hers renovations and interiors property finding service helping you find the perfect home or investment property renovations enlist our team of specialist builders ensuring the highest quality finishes project management taking the stress out of managing your project leaving you to focus on work family and household
0: commitments Interior Design.
1: We create a space that you can be proud of.
0: Let us simply design your home or fully furnish your space down to the finest details.
1: Our aim is to never bring you a problem,
0: only a solution.
1: Helping you to create your dream home. Follow us on Instagram at His and Hers Renovations Interiors or visit our website at www.hisandhersrenovationsandinteriors.com. What do you think you learnt most from that experience?
0: Not to be so vulnerable <laughs> I wish I could have taken obviously at the time my both my parents were working both my brothers had started working um I wish one of them could have come with me mm. um because I might have been like oh this is okay but having a like just having a loved one to be like mm. Because it's sure different having like speaking to my mum on the phone and being like, Yeah, she's okay, she's good. When you speak to me, I'm obviously going to be crying because I'm an emotional wreck. So my mum's <laughs> just going to encourage me to, It's fine, you're doing good. Yeah, you're, you're, doing, doing you're doing good. You're doing. Like, yeah.
1: um, especially with an emotional character, you never know when something's really wrong or whether they're just a bit homesick or. Exactly. You've moved around a lot, which means yes. you must be, to a degree, quite brave. What do you think of people that maybe have the ambition to live in different places around the world because you've got that unique perspective where you've moved to a country you didn't necessarily like because yeah. your family have, and then you've moved to a country which is like the city of dreams because somebody's shown you a really nice life and promised you things. Yeah. Like you've got quite a unique perspective. There's probably loads of people that are out there thinking, oh, I just want to live in LA or I just want to move to Italy and open a yeah. restaurant, whatever it may be, not necessarily in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. but someone that's lived all over the world, like what what would you say to people that might want to do that and oh, kind of have no. got the fear, is it feel the fear and do it anyway?
0: I would say yeah, I would say yeah. I mean to to be fair, when I moved to England I had no choice. I was Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would say it's the best decision my parents ever made. I would definitely say do your research, like thoroughly know where you're going to, find out about the place that you're gonna be living. Look into the areas. Do are they? Do they have like local supermarkets? Mm. You need to know that all of that stuff is near, close by. Even like stuff like street lights. Like I know certain areas in certain countries, they switch off the street lights at certain times. Mm. You want to feel safe, especially if you're a girl. Mm. You're going somewhere. You need to make sure that everything is quite close by mm. if you are looking to move It's definitely different, it's totally different to a holiday yeah i can imagine <laughs> when you're
1: relocating I, I don't even know where i'd want to live in the world to be honest really yeah i've always
0: imagined myself being like a surfer girl really like, yeah like being like working in a bar on a beach and learning how to surf every day with my dog on the front of the surfboard
1: i've seen those people yeah
0: no i, I feel That's like, like a california you should have gone to australia
1: your parents picked the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> so when we've spoken about your situation in America, yeah, you were like saying to me before that you felt that on the surface, everything was rosy. And from the outside looking in, a bit like the world of social media, yeah. everything looks perfect, but actually you were just unhappy. Yeah. And it took quite a lot of guts for you to kind of walk away from what felt like a huge opportunity mm-hmm. and to go, this isn't for me. I'm not being authentic. Yeah. And to come home.
0: That was that was massive for me. Because yeah. I'd obviously been there for a while. And I would say it happened both times that I went to LA. So the first time when I was really young um and the second time because the first time I was leaving and I thought they'd be my management would be really supportive and saying oh you know what go on like we wish you well or whatever but they were actually really bitter in that I was deciding to leave um I just I kind of just said to them I as much as I feel like you guys are giving me this opportunity I don't feel like it's me. Mm. I don't want to go on press dates. And I don't want to come across as um, ungrateful, but I don't think I should be on tablets that keep me awake. I don't think yeah, I should yeah. be training six hours a what, day what every pe- day. What penny dropped for you to actually have the... I was miserable. Right, okay. Like, it took you hitting hit As that much point. as I was awake, like physically... I was tired like I was my body looked insane like if I showed you pictures you would be like who is that (laughs) but I I I was like this is not normal I don't want young girls to look at me and think I need to be that like I I was like I, I every I'm not having to like I was like it sounds so bad that I'm not having to sleep with anybody I'm not having like technically I'm not taking drugs I'm not I don't know having to be up someone's butt, like begging them to give me a job. Like, I'm getting great food every day, three mm. meals a day. Um, they really didn't understand when you yeah, were walking away so from it. They were really angry. So I was like, I I I know it sounds crazy, but I have to I have to go back to London and I'm gonna make something of myself there. And they were like, Well, we don't think you will. So I was like, thanks. <laughs> that's that's great. And what was worse was, my, not worse, but my mum was like, just come back. It's fine. We'll figure it out. I knew I was coming back because no matter how small a job was or whatever, like if I made an appearance or something, I'd get paid. But I was sending all my money home. Like I was making sure my parents got that check or whatever. Mm. Um, But I knew I was coming home with nothing. Yeah. And so I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I, I, I don't know anybody in England. Like I don't, I was a receptionist before that. Mm. Do I just go back to being a receptionist? Because I don't want to be a receptionist. Like, I don't like that. Mm. And then I really struggled because I was like, I'm flat out broke. Like, I don't don't know what I'm going to do. And I knew I didn't want to work in retail. I knew I didn't want to go back to the corporate world. Mm. So as much as I was just like oh I'm putting my foot down I'm going back to England when they were like yeah you're not going to make anything of yourself I was like oh my gosh imagine if I don't like yeah, it was so it must scary. be so
1: hard to be like so unfulfilled and to feel like you're just leaving your biggest opportunity behind yeah. but it just shows that you have to be true to yourself yeah. and you were out there not being true to yourself
0: so that's what definitely led you home yes um, the second time this was last year I was more aware what I was getting myself into, so I was like, I'm willingly going to LA. I'm willingly putting myself in these positions, mm. um, and I was like, I don't like it. <laughs> like, it's just not for you. It's not for me. like it's very... all of a sudden. London doesn't look so bad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was it was very superficial to me. Like I didn't like it. I didn't feel like I could have a, a conversation with anybody. If you don't have a loved one there, you'll really suffer.
1: My friend lived there for years and she was the same. She said she lived there for like five years. She met her husband, but didn't make one real good friend. I see.
0: You know, five years. You're That's a very, long time to live. You're very, lucky if you find someone there that you're like, I relate to you. Yeah. I love you.
1: She like. said she used to be friends with any Brits that she came across.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, I never, we never met anyone from England. That's crazy. I was crazy. there with my old manager and we, we didn't come across anyone from England. That's crazy. Um... So I never understood why a lot of American people move to LA because they think it's going to change. My life's going to change by just living here because I was like, I do not like this. And this is the second time around. So is I it, like, are you, no third. You've learned your lesson. now. I've learnt my it's lesson. not for you. I've
1: learned my lesson. So, we spoke a little bit about your insane body. And even though you don't train six hours a day anymore, you still yeah. look beautiful and Thank you've got you. body goals for sure. Like I said in your intro, do you feel a lot of pressure to stay in shape still? Or No. Okay. I don't. Because you've got your ebook, which is yes. No Excuses. Yes. What made you start the ebook? How did that come about? And talk to me kind of about your journey in health and fitness.
0: Okay. To start from the beginning, I would say I had... What got me into fitness was I had a very unhealthy relationship with food. Okay. In that I had an eating disorder from a very young age, not long after I moved to England, until it stopped around when I was 18. Okay. Um... But I mean, obviously, you could relapse when you haven't disorder, but all about I haven't relapsed. Good. Um, so I had a very unhealthy relationship with food. Do you know where that came from? Um, yeah. Something very serious happened to me. And then right after that, I started being bullied. It kind of just, it just happened. I remember the first day that I made myself sick. I used to wear, like, really baggy jumpers to school. Mm. Do you remember those fitted skirts? Yeah. Um, so I'd wear the fitted skirt, but because I'd get, like, a a seven to eight <laughs> in the skirt it would dig me in the sides so I had a really baggy jumper over it and I remember this girl hugged me and I remember her hugging me and obviously because the skirt is so tight my love handles are gonna like go over it slightly and she was like oh you're gaining weight and I was really tiny yeah and I remember thinking oh my gosh I am and I went to the toilet and I made myself sick and then I was like I felt like light afterwards and I was like oh, I could do this every day." And then for the next few years, it was like, it became a norm. So you Um, had bulimia? I had, I was bulimic. Um, But then I think a friend noticed that I'd literally dropped a lot of weight. And I looked gaunt. um, And she asked me, like, she followed me to the toilet once. And she saw like, I'd literally, I wouldn't eat, like, one or two things. I'd binge. So I'd save up my money. I'd buy a lot of food and then eat it all and then make myself sick. It got to the point where I was like, I didn't care if anybody saw me make myself sick. Right. So she followed me, she told the teacher, they told my parents, and that's how it kind of got to me getting help. And then at 17, um, I, made the deci- I started um, college, and my college had a gym, and the gym instructor or teacher... He just warmed to me so quickly. Like, he invited me and my best friend at the time to his wedding. Like, he was such wow. a... He was like an uncle. Yeah. Um, and he noticed how much food I would eat, but I, it, would never, um, <laughs> it would never... Never go on. Yeah. So he was like... he I, I think he knew. So he was like... He suggested that I start training. Um, so then it was just for fun. But then I noticed that if I'd, like go on the treadmill for long enough like I'd lose more weight so it was still unhealthy when I first started gym and then obviously when I got the help um I developed a healthy relationship with the gym in that it basically became my boyfriend because I was like oh I could gain I could gain muscle instead of um lose weight Mm. and um it wasn't until three years ago that I decided to a lot of people were asking me about my my abs and they were like And your ass and your thighs <laughs> Like seriously what, what what did you do or what do you do? And I was like, Well I can't I can't pinpoint like I can't tell you this is what I did. because I felt like you have to remember I've been training from when I was 17. You're only seeing me now on social media. A lot of people think I'll oh, do it overnight, I'm gonna have abs this is years of what me Mm. being in the gym and you can't you can't I don't want to like tell people you can't get to that like I've seen people have incredible results within four weeks hence Mm. I made a four-week plan so I was like well I do want to help people I do want to share stuff that I enjoy doing because there's stuff I hate doing in the gym Mm. but I was like I don't want to do it I don't want to just say I'll go to the gym and do this because you end up getting up. Mm. I need to be qualified. So three years ago, I very quietly <laughs> got every qualification. Really? Um, yeah. That's and amazing. I said I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a book, but I wanted to make a physical product first, and then I was like, well, what if they don't buy this physical product? And I've got like. a Book stack, yeah. In my house and no one's buying it. So I was like, I need something. Christmas presents and birthday presents for years. I need something that's not physical just to see if people buy into me, if that makes sense. And so I made the ebook. I literally like spent six months going back and forth, like thinking... Is this going to work? Because I wanted it to be for everybody, for yeah. mums, for people that have been in the gym for long, for people that can't go to the gym. Mm. I wanted a lot of people to be able to use it. I remember being in, I uh, finished it, it was in South Africa, and I said, I'm going to post it on the 1st of January. Okay. Um, I but I was out, so I was at a New Year's party, and I scheduled it to be uploaded and to come out at midnight and... I remember like I don't wanna check like in case like nobody buys it. So I was like, I'll check at eight o'clock in the morning. And then I remember everyone's like, Happy New Year. And I'm all I'm thinking was oh my gosh, like I just released got, a book. Like, my book's gone out. <laughs> I'm not thinking about like kissing nobody. Like I was just like, I just released the book. What if nobody buys it? Like I was freaking out. Yeah. And then
1: That was me with this podcast. <laughs> What oh, do you remember
0: at my at my party? I was
1: like, what if no one comes to please, the launch? No one downloads. to it. No. I, was, I said that at the party and I was like, guys, please, please listen Can't to my podcast. It. Do,
0: download it right now. You have nothing to worry about. Like a pod, you, you, you've done an amazing job in creating a podcast. Thank like, you.
1: People are definitely listening. I hope, no so. definitely oh. though, anyway. well, I hope so. Definitely to your episode they will anyway.
0: I hope so. But yeah, no, they, I, I released a book at midnight and then... Eight o'clock in the morning, I checked and I'd made ten thousand pounds, and I was like, <gasps> <gasps> "What?" <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh." My. So technically, it was six o'clock in the morning in in London. Yeah. So within six hours, I had made ten thousand pounds, and I was like,
1: "Is that your following UK or
0: Amer- or America?" Everywhere, or? everywhere. So South Africa. my biggest following is the United States and the United Kingdom. Yeah. Um after that it's the Netherlands and France, um, South Africa. I've got a massive Canadian following and the Caribbean. Ah,
1: Varied. Yeah. Varied.
0: Varied. Yeah, very very grateful for it.
1: What would you say like people have gained the most from your thing? Like what, what value do you think is added from your book? From my book? Yeah.
0: Um like, what feedback did you get? I've a lot of people have said they've gained an insight into what I actually do because if you messaged me personally I'd send like I found that I was sending lots of people like long-winded paragraphs but I mean there's only so much you can get from Mm. me saying I'll try and do this and ensure that your knees don't knock and (laughs) (laughs) because I really wanted to cater to everybody but I was like I can't be writing out these long messages to every single person that's messaging me Mm. so a lot of people said that by me creating this book, they got they got an actual insight because it's filled with, like, really descriptive things of what you have to do with the pictures. So there's no way you can get... You can't get it wrong. You can't get it wrong. So, so. what
1: would you say for those people that, you know, really desperately want to get in shape? Yeah. Um, maybe they have had an unhealthy relationship with food or with the gym to this point, and they want to start the new decade with uh, some healthier habits. Like, what would be... Your tips and confidence for people to get into the gym or to I start would,
0: a new routine? I would say definitely focus on your diet first. It's definitely 80% what you eat and 20% gym. Add in more greens to your plate, like having more greens than meat on your plate. Like don't overcomplicate it in your head like oh I need to weigh this much. Just just don't make it complicated. Try Having more greens in your plate or more salad. Even try having less red meat. Make sure you drink a hell of a lot of water. Again, don't complicate it. Have at least eight glasses of water a day. So two in the morning, two in the afternoon, mm-hmm. two in the evening. That's six. The six. Just try having eight, eight. glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Normal glasses of water a day. And I always say the more you train, the more you have to drink. So I obviously train a hell of a lot. So I- your- Do you train your- every day? I trade so I'll do like Monday, Tuesday, skip Wednesday because I'm hurting. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rest Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, that's my
1: new, my new <laughs> plan. Right now, I do three times a week.
0: No, that's it. Have you seen your body? Stop.
1: Well, I haven't really trained much the last two weeks. So I haven't stopped working, and you know sometimes there's just not time, so I've done like a hot yoga class just to chill the f out. But um, other yoga's than that, yoga's hard. Why?
0: would You, do you, you make need sure? to
1: come to a hot yoga class. I just love take it. Me. Hour and a half.
0: You down? I'm
1: down. Pinky promise. I swear. I know you love the Disney <laughs> shit. <laughs> We're going to switch gears a bit now. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? What's going on? I don't want to get into the whole relationship. We spoke about it briefly earlier. Okay. Or the breakup itself. Um, it's old news. Mm-hmm. And you've moved on. Sure. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's moved on as well. Um, but it was a very public romantic relationship with a fellow influencer And a very public breakup. Right. Um, And since then, you've really chosen to kind of take your life a lot more private.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Which you've now just said, actually, which makes sense, is you actually used to be very private. Yeah. You kind of eked out into more of a public space within your personal life. And you have now burrowed yourself away again. (laughs) To Back more to a, a private space. Yeah. But you still, when we've had conversations, yeah. spoken with such, I would say, like a lightness. Yeah. And it's never bitter. and it's, There's a lightness about it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people, when they go through horrible breakups and go through those kind of traumatic situations where I guess everyone ends up hurt in the end, yeah. that there's a lot of bitterness. Mm. But you don't seem to have that, in your aura and your energy (laughs) so what advice would you give to somebody that maybe has gone through that kind of situation or is going through that situation to try and kind of just like move on because I think I feel like everyone would like kind of cuss me out in the DMs if I didn't bring up (laughs) anything in this lane at all they'd be like you didn't talk about it no I don't want to talk about it but I feel like there's a lot to learn from your
0: situation one thing I will always say is you have to whether it ends good or bad you have to remember that before that person you were okay mm-hmm. you were an individual you did not come into this world with that person so you need to when you get out of it you need to remember i'm gonna be okay they weren't what made you happy you need to remember that i create my happiness if that makes sense because a Absolutely. lot of people are like will message me and say i'm so heartbroken like i don't feel like i can i can take life anymore and I'm like no you actually can because it's you that creates the life that you want if you're going to dwell in that negative space then you're bound to feel like life's never going to be okay again but if you remember that okay I was I was good before them I'm going to be good after them then you'll be fine yeah yeah so I've always no matter what's happened in any relationship whether it be a friendship or a romantic relationship I've always Remembered the good in that person, taking away the good from that specific situation and always thought, I'm going to get my fairy tale. I'm going to meet like my best friend. or I've always had that in my head. Yeah. No matter what. Law of attraction is real, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. (laughs) you put it out there. (laughs) Exactly.
1: What's the most valuable um, lesson that you think you learned from everything that you went through? Like Um, looking back.
0: Be very careful with what you put out there because you can't, you can't take it back Yeah. once something's on the internet, whether it be a picture or a video, or anything. Just be very cautious about what you share. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's one thing. And I'm very private now. Do you have a few regrets there? A few regrets, yeah. Putting my family on social media. I'm very protective. Like I'm very much a nurturer in that mm. what's mine is mine. So future relationships will stay <laughs> private? <laughs> I mean, I'll hint to it because I can't, if I'm happy, I'm happy. You just, you'll see it. You'll see it in my pictures. You'll see it in my posts. But I'm not going to say I'm dating so-and-so until I have a ring on my finger. (laughs) Yeah. You will not know that I'm with
1: somebody. So it has to be like we're getting married before it's a public thing now. Yeah. But then you would be
0: happy to go public. I don't think I'd ever be that public again, ever. You always have to take a positive away from every situation, but there's always going to be The line in the middle, right? I've had friendships and relationships in that if you've wronged me, I I won't just cut you off. I'll tell you what you've done, where you went wrong, give you everything, but I won't let you rectify it. Ah. I pretend you never existed. And I don't think, I feel like that's my toxic trait in that okay i not great at forgiveness no i can forgive you i can send you love and light from a distance i can pray for you every single day but you're never you did you don't exist in my world and it's weird because i've never seen those people again really once i've like made the decision to be like you do not exist in
1: see that's really interesting because i found in my friendship where we've become friends again Mm -hmm. that actually it's like friendship 2.0 Oh, really? Because there's now just, like, this complete understanding and because there's been a lot of what I would say is, like, recovery work yeah. See, and now a lot wish, of effort made. I wish made. I had
0: that because there's a lot of people that I was friends with that I had the biggest soft spot for. But mm. because, I mean, I've had a, I've had a lot of failed um, friendships and um, a couple of relationships in that they were broken birds I was always drawn to broken birds right I felt the need to fix people and what I've had to learn is that you can't fix somebody that doesn't want to be fixed mm-hmm. everybody has to go on this journey of self-love by themselves they will need to get to the point of okay this is not healthy this needs to change but somebody else can't tell you or can't help you get to that point and I felt like I needed to be that person Could be the mother hen, whether it was relationships or friendships, and I don't think like it's it's draining because you're taking on their burdens. Like Mm. your energy is contagious. Exactly. As soon as you start taking
1: on people's negative energy, and then you end up having like a one-way street friendship. Exactly. And especially if you're always the person that's like finding the broken bird, it's like you're always getting almost like everything's take, 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 and there's no give. I
0: found that happened a lot in. So you've had some friendship dramas along the way. A hell of a lot. No, I wouldn't say a hell of a lot, but the the toxic friendships that I've had, I mean, I was definitely the giver. Like, I needed to make sure you're okay but constantly.
1: It's interesting to... that you have that accountability, though. What do you mean? Like, you are accountable for the fact that you are actually going out there and attracting the broken birds into your circle. Oh,
0: not anymore. What yeah, but, like, acknowledge. you, yeah, you've acknowledged that and then <laughs> moved forward, Yeah. yeah. But I needed to get to that point because before, I mean, why I was even like that was I'd seen my parents, my grandparents, like, I don't know, take a homeless man off the street, cut his hair for him, give give him the clothes off their back, feed him, and then he goes away, comes back, they give him a number to call, he gets a job, he comes back, gives them their first paycheck. Like, I've seen my family members, like, technically fix people like you've taken broken (laughs) birds like fix them and so I've always had this in my head that I can do that even if I'm not giving you money or getting your job or giving you the clothes off my back I can help if I can help you in some way or form I'm going to help you and I it never served me well because I just found that I was I was constantly feeling drained because I mean they're they're broken like you're and you're taking that on, which isn't healthy. Mm. Um, so I did have to learn to read red flags in friendships and relationships. Um, now I steer clear. You, you broken bird. You're a lot more protective of your own yes, energy now. I have to protect like for my own well-being, my sanity. Like, I I can steer you in the right direction, but I can't have that around me. I, it's it's too much.
1: Outside of exercise,
0: what do you do for your own well-being? I listen to a lot of sermons interesting yeah I come from a Christian background so I listen to a lot of positive podcasts I would say um what's some of your favorites right now I'm listening to a relationship one okay but it's called is that because there's a
1: secret man in the background <laughs> that we're not talking about in public <laughs>
0: Stop yourself blushing. <laughs> we'll take that as a yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but I like this couple because they've got a public relationship, but they're very, like, they call each other out on each other's nonsense. Right. They, they're they very, like... What's it called? Yeah, it's called Dead Ass with kadim and Deval. Okay. And they're very positive, which is what I like. They're also very, like, straight up. So they yeah. called it Dead Ass because... Um, they're from, I think they're from New York, and that's like a saying that they say that like dead ass Right. If they're saying like facts, like yeah, you're being an idiot. Right. Facts. Okay. <laughs> like, um, and I like they talk about a lot of stuff like cheating. They talk about being accountable to each other. They talk about being like they had a, I mean they they had a conversation about being each other's escape. Um, mm and when they felt like they weren't, like you weren't my escape. Um, Like they have very open and honest conversations. That's one just on relationships, I guess. Um, They do talk about other stuff like finance and stuff, but I like listening to a lot of affirmation type.
1: Law of attraction
0: stuff. I wouldn't say they're podcasts, but I listen to them daily, so. Because I do affirmations like three times a day. Do you? I do. What's three of your best affirmations? One that I say every day is I am financially free. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah, because I see that for myself. Like it's on my vision board. I've got a specific number and that number will make me financially free. And it's tax free. I was put there. It's tax free. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So- Offshore account.
1: <laughs> Cayman Islands.
0: That's stupid. Um I'm capable of achieving anything that I put my mind to. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> I like
1: you. I invite the right people into my life. Oh, I love that. I like everything I need will come to me with ease. Oh, yes. And I like what's meant for me won't go by me. That's great. I That's love my words. three. Affirmations are powerful. Oh, yeah. I'm down for those. What do you feel your calling is, Nikita? My calling?
0: I would definitely say no matter what I've been doing, I've always... I've always acknowledged that, okay, I look at my following, forget the guys, I -hmm. look at my following as my little cousins, if that makes sense, because in South Africa, I always knew I'm one of the older cousins, so no matter what I do, my little cousins are looking up to me, Mm -hmm. and they're all girls, so the majority of them are girls. So whatever I do, I need to do it with grace, I need to do it with poise, and I need to do it in a way that's going to make... My parents, their parents, and them proud. I want them to look to have something good to look up to. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that no matter what I end up doing, because I view my followers like I view my little cousins, I want young girls to be able to look at me and think that that is a great thing. I don't think I've done anything like that as yet where young girls could look at me and feel like that's that's what I aspire to be like. Or that's you don't feel like you've done that yet? Not yet. Is that where the goal is? That's the goal. I know what my dream to do is. What is that? Acting. Okay. (laughs) Um, Because I grew up singing, dancing and acting. Um, So that's always been a goal. If it doesn't happen, I will not be mad because I've got other goals to Mm. achieve um, that are away from social media. Like I, I always think in the sense that Instagram could delete itself tomorrow. What am I doing now to ensure that I've got multiple streams of income? Mm. I need to make sure that I'm always my family are okay and I'm God on. imagine if they deleted Instagram tomorrow, how many people would be jobless? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've
1: never even thought about that. This podcast would leave relevant straight away. <laughs> <laughs> just
0: just think about it. that's how I'm always thinking. So yeah. um if my dream of being an actress doesn't happen, I won't be disheartened because I've got other goals that I have to achieve. I have to achieve. What are they? Like, one is... I feel like this is putting, me, putting pressure on me because I have to do it.
1: <laughs> I think, you said you wanted accountability earlier. I'm giving oh. it to you. <laughs> no, you don't have to share if you don't want
0: to. It's something before I'm 30. Okay. It's, um, because I've always said, like, I, I want to... I'm not putting a timer on it in terms of, like, having a family, being married and stuff, but by 30, I want to be the, without giving too much away, I want to be the ultimate businesswoman. Okay. Um, And it would mean I end up on a certain magazine. Okay. <laughs>
1: okay. So right now I've got visions of, like, Kylie Jenner, world's first, youngest Billionaire on Forbes magazine. You've got that in mind, so I feel like we're kind of in that space yes. somewhere. Got it. <laughs> got it. I'm, I'm accurate. So
0: me- we don't need to think billionaire, but I've 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 got thirty under thirty in my head.
1: That's nice. Yeah, I, I yeah. think you can do it.
0: Hundred percent. I, I I know I can. It's just a matter of executing it. In you seem like a woman that's got a plan though. I do have a plan, but. Like I always say, you need to be surrounded by the right people. So right now it's finding, like, I'm sure I've said it to you before, like, if you're surrounded by 10, I don't know, very negative people, you're bound to be the 11th negative person. Yeah. If you're surrounded by 10 millionaires, you're bound to be the 11th millionaire. Mm. So right now it's finding that balance in, one, keeping my life private but sharing enough to stay relevant. Two finding other things to do that forms these other multiple um, streams of income. Mm-hmm. Um, and three, making sure I'm surrounded by the right people in that they're steering me in the right direction. Are you happy with your circle right now? Yeah. Good. I am. Uh, it's very small. That's good. Which it's good in that, obviously, when you grow up, you think, oh, i have more friends more popular yeah like, like more popular yeah. i'm more friends i've got hardly any friends so I, i'm cool I, with that i don't have a lot of friends i've got a lot
1: of people i like and i spend time with and
0: that i'm happy to be around yeah but friends pff, minimal minimal i think it, it it leaves less room for drama mm. i live a very drama free lifestyle and i'd like to keep it that way that's cool so can i ask you another question you push can why did you want to do my podcast I know I asked you,
1: (laughs) but why did you say yes? Because you are very private. Yeah. And I'm so intrigued right now as to what made you say yes to open up a little bit with me today.
0: Nobody's ever asked me to talk about the stuff that you wanted to discuss. I mean, you made me feel so... It's a weird, weird thing to say, but when I first met you, I felt at home, if that makes sense. I didn't, didn't mind sharing... So, like I said, I'm very private, so I would I didn't necessarily need to speak to you for as long as I spoke to you, but I naturally warmed to you very quickly. So when you called me and you're like, "Oh, I've got this idea and I want to create a podcast," and I was like, "That's very brave." Yeah, I called you before <laughs> it was
1: even off the page. I think I, was
0: like, that is I called you so really early on. Brave, and I was all for it.
1: Maybe Maddie as well. I think that you were the three. That you spoke to? Yeah, you, Maddie and um
0: Alex. I, was, I, I can't lie, I was nervous because I was like, oh man, like, I've never done this before. Yeah. But I mean, I was excited because, I mean, you, you want to discuss things that other people probably don't know about you. You've got new followers that probably haven't looked back into where you started or just started following you the other day. So... When you mentioned what we might discuss and stuff, I was like, ooh, I don't know. (laughs) But it was exciting. Like, I I appreciate and I'm so grateful that you thought of me because, I mean, there's so many other people that you could have been like, hey. You were like an enigma. (laughs) I was like, on social
1: media, you're just like an enigma. (laughs) and I, I was like, when I got to know you a little bit better and I was like, yeah we need to break down some of those <laughs> walls but in a, in a way that respects your privacy do you know yeah. what I mean I obviously understand that you've gone through all of that and then taken a step back and that is definitely the right thing for you Yeah. but um, final yeah. question
0: Yeah.
1: what is the caption you want to leave our listeners with today oh, and don't forget your hashtags
0: always send love and light hashtag I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> you do this for a job come on I will normally get help. Can you not help me? Uh, Hashtag. Ooh. (laughs) 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 Oh.
1: Hashtag. Don't air your dirty laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag. (laughs) Everyone's a Disney character, really. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes.
0: You yeah, you see, that was me. I was like,
1: uh uh, <laughs> uh. Well, my future career is calling, <laughs> caption writer. Thank you so much for joining me today, oh, Nikita. Thank and thank you. you so much, everyone, for listening, guys. Best part about making this podcast is truly getting to know the influencers that we follow more intimately and having them allow us to take a peek behind the curtain into their real lives their minds and their souls. Nikita has one of the most beautifully curated Instagram profiles. It's so stunning and her workout videos on YouTube and her ebook especially are bound to get you motivated. So make sure you go ahead and immerse yourself in her world. It's such a lovely world to be a part of. If this episode has helped you in any way or you enjoyed listening, please do rate and subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is that you listen, so that we can reach and help more people, share the wisdom that we've discovered with each and every episode and don't forget to share this with anyone that you feel might need a little help from what we've discussed today if you share it on social media me and nikita might give you a little repost <laughs> so give I me a will fo- you it. will yeah. so give me a follow at Shaney underscore run and give her a follow at keita girl 921 thanks for listening everyone thank you for listening <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to say a mega thank you to our sponsors today His and Hers Renovations and Interiors. Influence Me was written and presented by me, Shaney Ryan, and produced and edited by Redwood Studios. Our theme music today is by J. Lee Music. And if you like today's show, be sure to rate us wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. Thanks for listening, and see you in two weeks when you can catch my next special guest.